all the aspects of that child's learning, whether it's learning needs, learning goals, whether it's their socioeconomic background, their ethnic background, whatever's going on in, the, you know, in, in their lives, we need to make a direct connection and partnership with. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So welcome to today's episode. As always, I am super, super excited about our guest today. And in fact, today we're going to continue our conversation about progressive education, this time specifically talking about promoting equality and justice. And joining us today are three wonderful guests. I'm super excited about it, obviously, but um, veterans in the progressive education movement to help us really talk about and wrestle with some of these um, components. So joining us today is Teresa Collins, um, who is a 27-year veteran of high school English. And that alone should be celebrated. Um, and as a progressive educator and past president of the Progressive Education Network and the co-director of the National Institute of Progressive Education. So welcome, Teresa. Thank you. And joining Teresa today is Kevin Yee from the Lowell School in Washington, D.C. And he has served in a variety of roles, including middle school science teacher, science curriculum coordinator, director of middle school and student life, and as of 2015, became their director of middle school. So um, welcome, Kevin. And um, joining both Teresa and Kevin is Chris um, Thinnes. Did I get that right, Chris? Perfect. Awesome. We practiced earlier and, you know, it's how that goes. <laughs> um, Chris is a veteran independent school leader, an active collaborator with educators and activists from the public and private sectors, and is an engaged um, public school parent. And so um, adding that into his bio, I think, speaks volumes about the conversation that we're going to have. So um, welcome, Chris. So I want to get started with this conversation sort of by setting the stage. So Teresa, help those who might not have listened to some of the previous episodes that we've done about progressive education to just sort of really set the stage. So what is this thing called progressive education and why does it matter today? Wow. Well, I, I hope that I can lean on Chris and Kaven to chime in with their own definitions. But progressive education, the best, um, I think, quickest way to think about what progressive education is and how it differs from traditional education is this. In progressive education, we believe that teaching and learning is best done when teachers and students co-create or co-construct learning together. So teachers are sitting beside their students, learning along with them. And across the developmental spectrum, they are teaching students and working with students on how to ask questions of the universe, as James Baldwin said, and, and figure out ways to, to put those questions to work in applicable and relevant ways when they are ready to become members of their community. And that can happen at age five and it can happen at age 18. And we hope that as progressive educa educators, that our students will, will be those lifelong learners. But more specifically, we want them to be contributors to the communities of which they will become a part. So as opposed to teachers pouring knowledge into their students and then having students kind of 
squeeze out the sponge on a standardized test um, or traditional forms of assessment, progressive educators are looking for ways to really tap into not only the specific skills and habits of mind of content areas, but the connection to students' communities, students' identities, and who they are and who they're going to become in the world. And this, for those who who listen to the program and, and who know me in particular understand, this is exactly the reason why I love progressive education so much, because that's very near and dear to what we believe at PAST and all of the work that we do. So, Kaven, I want to talk a little bit about how you came into the progressive education movement and how you apply it at a place like the Lowell School. For those who are familiar um, with that school and that school setting, how does how do the ideologies uh, that we just heard Teresa talk about translate into the day-to-day work that you do? Well, I started as a uh, public school science teacher in, uh, in Chicago. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I was teaching six sections of 30 some odd students, uh, in my class, rolling them through, you know, I really saw a whole spectrum of engagement in my classroom. And, uh, you know, as a young teacher, I, you know, wanted to really, uh, engage my, my students, want to connect with my students, wanted to get them, you know, really involved with uh, learning about biology. Uh, but, you know, I was, wondering why no one was really paying attention to my class. <laughs> you know, what's going on? You know, and as a teacher, like, hey. so like, instead of like wondering what's wrong with them, I started wondering, well, what's, what am I doing incorrectly? Right. And I realized that, you know, I needed to know more about my kids too. You know, I needed to know one, how, you know, how did I was going to present my information? How was I going to assess the information? But most importantly, I wanted to, I needed to know more about my kids and, you know, research has more recently informed us that, you know, cognition is directly connected to emotion. And if students are coming to my class uh, that maybe not have emotional stability, maybe something going on at home, maybe something uh, they're worried about, you know, helping their family out, maybe not working so they put food on the table, you know, and, you know, don't really care about my biology class. So it was important for me to learn more about my students and, you know, to kind of echo what Teresa was talking about is that, even at the secondary school level, it's it's even more important that there's collaboration between the teacher and the student, and that we really try to understand the, the whole child, that all the aspects of that child's learning, whether it's learning needs, learning goals, whether it's their so, socioeconomic background, their ethnic background, whatever's going on in, the, you know, in, in their lives, we need to make a direct connection and partnership with for that, for that engagement to increase. So like, you know, how does it happen mm-hmm. at Lowell? You know, we begin at a preschool and like, you know, preschool is the, the pretty much the foundation of any learning. It's like when the, the child and developmentally is the most inquisitive mm-hmm. and you're honing in on those inquisitive bills of curiosity and imagination and creativity. Well, you know, spiraling that through to secondary school, um, you know, it's not that we have an emerging curriculum. We do certainly right. provide our curriculum to have space and voice and choice for our students. So as they get older, and they, uh, they're helping they, and us they carry totally do. I apologize, but that deep. that is one of the things I can say yeah. as as a parent of a student that's gone through this type of education. They 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 are the absolute best advocates in our community, right? I didn't mean to interrupt you. If you want to add any any other thing, no. And I just I just wanted to you know just to cap off or echo what Teresa was talking about is in the you know if the, the purpose of education is to create. Um, active mm-hmm. participants in, a, in communities or, or educated citizens. So, you know, I think for schools to, to have that responsibility, 
uh, it's, it's most important that we engage our students in their learning and also provide them the, the skills and the uh, awareness of their uh, EQ <laughs> to, to improve absolutely. their IQ. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. So Chris, I want to, I want to sort of round this out a little bit, you know, and, and sort of ask you the same question about sort of the how and why, really thinking about the sort of the leadership and advocacy role that you've had in your career as it relates to progressive education. So help our listeners sort of understand the, that space that you occupy. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about what Teresa and Kaven just said to kind of frame the, the sort of purpose-driven goals of progressive education. And um, you know, I, I, I think that my career so far has played out uh, almost exclusively in independent schools for a number of reasons. One is that I'm a product of them. You know, my parents sent me to them and I learned a lot at them um, for better and for worse. The second is that like a lot of people actually who I, 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 ad- I admire for some reason that I'm not completely clear about. Uh, who work in leadership roles in schools, I had a very complicated relationship to school. Um, I did not master the system. I was not an exceptional student. Uh, I had things that I cared deeply about and often did not have the opportunity uh, to explore, to leverage them when I was in school. I also noticed that in the schools I attended, that the purpose of them seemed to be to advantage my own individual success. And so when I started working in, in independent schools, like th- those were some of the things that I sort of felt like uh, it would be nice to be thoughtful about in them. You know, one was, you know, what, mm-hmm. what really is from 30,000 feet the purpose of schools in a pluralistic democracy, you know? Uh, second, recognizing mm-hmm. that independent school in many but not all instances have the opportunity that was originally, not now, but that was originally used to imbue the proposal that we have a thing called charter schools, which is that they can operate much more quickly. Mm -hmm. They can steer much more nimbly. uh, They can innovate much more deftly uh, and they can share what they learn about learning back with the broader network of schools. That's what charter schools were supposed to be. It's not exactly what they generally speaking turned into. Mm -hmm. But it's what independent schools could be and mm-hmm. are when they choose to be so. And so asking questions about the public purpose of private schools and finding ways to think about independent schools in the context of public education um, are just kind of complicated and delicious systems you know, to, to, to think about and that I try to think about in the work that I do. Yeah, I, I, I love the way you were thinking about that, that, you know, that it is because it's very complicated and it's very, very complex. And at the end of the day, as we collectively, I think, encourage folks to reimagine um, what this whole endeavor should be, right? Um, I, I, I really love that thinking. And, and I think that one of the, the things that we are at an intriguing moment, right? Because of everything that's happened over the last year, almost really, really 18 months, and certainly the, the learning that we had prior to, but we, we've gotten an odd, and I'm going to use that term very deliberately, an odd moment to recalibrate, right? To rethink and to restart. 
but only if we truly take advantage, right, of the moment that has been provided, for better or worse, that we 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 got here and what's going on with the world. Um, but we do actually have a, a moment to think differently if we so choose to. And so, Teresa, I really um, want um, to sort of dig into the ideas of equality and justice and the opportunity that a progressive sort of educational mindset provides to us to think about these issues in a meaningful way moving forward. So, so what does that mean to you as you think about it through that lens of progressive oper- uh, uh, education from an opportunity standpoint? That's a great question. It's it's really exciting. I mean, I think, you know, for for better, worse, or otherwise, as you said, um, Annalise, the, the moment is here. Mm-hmm. And and one of one of the elements of this moment that I have been most intrigued, heartened by is the fact that, you know, I work I work with high schoolers, but I also lead adults. And 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 the relationship between high school students and the adults who lead learning with them is this. Students come in with questions. They come in with the things they've noticed. They come in with the things they've heard. They come in with this sensibility of, I need help in making sense of what's happening in the world around me. And moreover, you know, back to the relevance question, mm-hmm. what does this all mean? Mm-hmm. You know, what does this all mean and how am I supposed to be able to plug into this um, past whatever next step of my education I may or may not be taking? And so, you know, the the questions that inevitably arise between adolescents and the, and the adults who teach them um, are part of this opportunity against the backdrop of the societal world that we all live in. So so that's one piece for me that that really that really clarifies the fact that someone who is teaching and learning in a progressive mindset has to take advantage of that opportunity, mm-hmm. right? So we have to we have to use that dynamic to inform the way that we're going to start to to you know reimagine delivering curriculum. Um, I, I think another piece is that we've learned a lot uh, in distance learning about how about how we can better serve in a lot of ways, as Kaven was talking about some of the students um, with a variety of profiles as learners. You know, um, in-person schooling really isn't for every single right. person. Um, mm-hmm. I have a nephew who is on the autism spectrum and he attends a project-based learning school, which is a great example of progressive pedagogy yep. practice. And distance learning has been phenomenal for him with occasional check-ins. So I think that's another way that, that we can really expand our sensibilities around what teaching and learning can look like through a progressive lens. And I have to say that, you know, thinking about distance learning brings in issues of equity and justice because we have to think about the digital divides that exist or the opportunity gaps that exist in terms of who has what materials that are going to help help them do the learning that they need to be doing. So, you know, all kinds of all kinds of conversations can exist in this moment that we can see through not only just the lens of progressive pedagogy and practice, but an equity lens um, and a justice-based lens. And so as I think about re-entry into schools, you know, everyone has been throwing around, you know, we don't want to go back to, you know, what used to be. We want to really reimagine what what can be. You know, Bettina Love uh, recently had a piece in Education Week where she says, you know, we can't go back to the way things were. We don't want to go back to normal. And I think for progressive educators, regardless of where they work, whether in the public school system, the charter school system, the independent school system, we all have a great opportunity. Um, and, and I think the more that we can have conversations like this one and the more we can gather kind of like-minded educators together, there can be 
you know, maybe there's going to be a, a progressive renaissance in right. education um, in the coming days, weeks, and months. Yeah, fingers crossed, right? I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for um, without, without question. Because we can't, we truly cannot afford to go back to what was. I would argue in, in many, many ways. And actually, Kaven, you know, I'm going to toss my next question specifically to you, you know, thinking about what Teresa was just talking about in the ways that community it needs to think about moving forward as a science educator in particular, in the wake of everything we've seen and we've been experiencing um, as it relates to sort of the place and role in science as, as an, an educator, as an equalizer, I want to ask you that same question that I tossed um, at Teresa, but I'm going to ask you to wear your science educator hat on it and, 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 and really sort of dig in with us a little bit about the role of science education in the progressive way of thinking about delivering that content and that whole child component. How do you, how do you balance those components out? You know, the, the, what's happening in the world versus, you know, your your particular lens in teaching. I'm just smiling because I feel... I know, it's a loaded question, right? It's a loaded right? question, but I also like, I, feel like <laughs> I was just talking to them prior to this conversation, uh, to my colleagues prior to this conversation that I've been more of an infectious disease manager this year than actual school <laughs> principal. Uh, and my science background certainly has helped with that. Mm -hmm. um, in that, you know, I, I you know, if we're, we're trying to, uh, you know, blend in uh, the conversation about progressive education, you know, the, it's, it's to take advantage of the moments that are, are mm -hmm. going on. And, mm -hmm. you know, certainly my, my science teachers uh, began their first year talking about viruses and, and talking mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. in, uh, infections, infections and how things are transmitted and, you know, and what are, what are enhanced sanitizers and how, you know, how do hand sanitizers uh, are, um, um, affect viruses and, and layers of mitigation, mitigative strategies. Why do masks, or why do we have to stay six feet? Why? I mean, so these questions mm -hmm. were, I mean, these, these were all natural questions our students came mm -hmm. in with. And, right. and like Teresa was saying, they are all coming in with this, the, all of the prior knowledge and a lot of questions and whatever they can find on the internet. And, you know, as educators now, we, we cannot be the keepers of knowledge anymore. I mean, mm -hmm. we are now the facilitators mm -hmm. of learning exactly. yes. and, 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 and helping them, you know, fi find the right resources, find the right information, find, you know, find uh, facts, you know, how to mm -hmm. analyze data to find facts and draw conclusions. And, you know, as a science teacher, that's something that, that that's, I mean... If anything, through this pandemic, you know, it actually it was a science teacher's dream to start off yeah. the year to be actually have full engagement because you're not only mm -hmm. learning about, you know, uh, learning goals that this, you know, your school or state may have, but it's also something that they really want to know about and they, mm -hmm. and they, and they want to carry on and pass that knowledge on to their friends and family as well. Um, you know, I, I actually want to piggyback to what Teresa was saying about, uh, <laughs> about, you know, learning in a pandemic or the, what, what we've learned in the last 18 months is uh, last mm -hmm. year. And I would say also that, you know, you know, she said that there were certain students that uh, were definitely had found success under mm -hmm. distance learning. Um, but at the same time, it was validated that students need to have right. in-person learning. A lot, mm -hmm. of, a lot of students need to have in-person in learning. Why? All right. Is it because mm -hmm. of the amazing lessons that I wrote? No. Not at all, right? 
I mean, if you ask all these, you know, child psychologists, like Lisa Demore writes an article in the New York Times almost every week about how our students, because of the lack of engagement or, or with their friends, the socialization, mm-hmm. the lack of collaboration, the lack of in-person communication, the teens unfortunately have increased you know, the depression rates or even suicide mm-hmm. and mental health. I mean, I, I, you can't find a therapist that's free these days. Everyone. Right. Right. Looking for that. Why? It's because, you know, you know, schools were a main source of connection for kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And in a, in, a, in a sense, progressive schools, progressive teachers, public or independent, are the most well-equipped to help us carry us out of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm reading all of these things about what now? What are we doing next? And everything that all these psychologists or experts are saying is that don't worry about your curriculum right now. Correct. Right. When you're bringing Mm -hmm. them back into school, you really need to check in on them, how they're doing socially, Mm -hmm. ease up on the school and focus more on community, on connection, because we need to re-engage these kids. They have not been in a classroom for a year. Mm -hmm. They haven't talked to their friends face to face in a long time. And a lot of them not only coming with like anxiety about the pandemic, anxiety about how to communicate again. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had, like, how do, you know, how do I act in class anymore? So, right. You know, as, as a progressive teacher and thinking about what I was talking about being, you know, the whole child and, you know, understanding uh, the, the EQ, um, I really feel that a progressive teachers or the, the progressive schools or the progressive movement is the answer and has always been the answer. And now, mm-hmm. you know, is the, you know, the schools are looking for what's next. Well, Let's talk. <laughs> exactly. Doing, it's right here, right? Yeah. It's right here. Yeah. You start doing what we're talking about. Yeah, no, absolutely. I wholeheartedly uh, agree. And so, Chris, I want to circle back around on a piece of this because I, I agree. And again, you know, having being a parent um, of a child that's gone through a progressive education in its entirety, he's getting he's getting ready in the next year or so uh, to fully graduate. But what I can tell you is that because of the experience and the foundational piece that my son had an elementary progressive education and moving on through. And one of the things that I have seen and and, and certainly talking with lots and lots of parents and educators around the country and around the world, you know, one of the things that I think that has been a great benefit to the students that I've seen or know that have gone through progressive education is that they are so self-reliant and they are their own internal advocates in many ways. And certainly, you know, my son learned very, very early on how to present knowledge, how to ask questions, how to be an active participant in the community. And so how, how do you see those types of sort of student interactions, right, as, as we really do think about what comes next in the broader educational landscape, playing key roles that not only let us reconnect as we restart um, in this great opportunity, but also to carry forward the great learnings and teachings that happen from those types of very applied, hands-on, progressive sort of opportunities that students have. My goodness, what a great question. Wow. Wow. Uh, I got to put my anthropology hat on, right? So I always love those moments. I, uh, <laughs> I feel like part of the answer is, is, is really quite simple conceptually. And it, and, it, and it really traces back to what you said in your question 
about asking questions Mm -hmm. and and just not to lose sight of it. But like, but like one of the keys is the capacity to ask a precise question is far more cognitively complex than being able to provide a precise answer. And mapping this back onto some of the things that Teresa and Gavin were talking about, this idea, particularly now, because what is the excuse not to, which is to ask the children what they need to know to make it through this next phase as better versions of themselves, Mm-hmm. to let them ask what happened if they don't fully understand it so that they can discover what, 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 what can engender meaning and imbue their lives with purpose moving forward as soon as possible. It's not going to take a day, you know, this is, this is what learning is, you know, and, 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 uh, and, and, and always was on the other hand, it's, it's, it's spectacularly complex. Because there's nothing in the last 50 years of American education policy that agrees with us that now is the moment. Nothing. Zero. Mm-hmm. Um, Correct. Correct. But, it, but it is the moment. But, but, but what the moment requires, mm-hmm. and this, this is obliquely to your question, and I don't, I don't mean in any way to change the lane, but, but, but the question makes me think of it. Like, like what, what it's going to require is a greater level of discomfort from classroom teachers Mm -hmm. and site leaders Mm -hmm. to step out of their lanes to do what they already knew was the right thing for children all along. There's, there's no automagical answer to how to get people to do that because that sounds like um, an invitation to be subversive. And I don't necessarily mean it that way uh, or to be provocative or destructive. And I definitely don't mean it those, those ways. But to do what all of us on the call are agreeing as, uh, as parents and as learners and as professionals is, is called for, uh, is, is, is currently not, there isn't currently a system or a structure that invites us to do that. So, so we're going, we're going right. to have to make mm-hmm. one together. Mm-hmm. We, we, we do. And I actually really, truly appreciate that. One of the things that I will tell anybody, and we get visitors from all over the world that come to the past um, innovation lab. That's the 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 virtual background. It's not real, obviously, because we're not there today. Um, you know, but we get visitors from all over the world, and and we built this place um, because we wanted to be able to show folks right that if you literally take off those those boundaries, if you will, those things that you think you know, and you say instead, teaching and learning could be a thousand different things, right? And the participants can be actively engaged in every every moment of it, right? So we build all these glass boxes, right? So that teaching and learning can happen in them, through them, around them. You can throw open the doors, you can make a mess, you can have all the different contents interspersed, right? That that's that's the thing that you were looking for. And two things that I would argue really hold true, and I hope that that you know moving forward that these are things a couple of the pieces of the sea. The first one is that I will tell folks that you know we have a fundamental belief that every kid who walks through the doors, no matter where they're from, what their background is, what their experience has been, that they are capable of solving the world's greatest problems. Right? It's just the untapped potential. But if we believe that 
that it, that we can help them get there. And the second thing is that I would put the kiddos that participate in the sort of environment that we've we, we've we've crafted around it, and it's the same environment that all of you are talking about up against any industry R&D team in the world because they are so comfortable and competent in the idea that they can problem solve and get there because they can ask the right questions, they can understand knowledge, they can dissect it, and they don't require anybody to stand there and teach it to them. They need you to stand beside them to help them find their way. Right. And so I, 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 I wanted to, to make a point to say that because my, my next sort of question and the way I really want to round out our conversation today is to say, what happens next in this moment as we reimagine and the idea that we have to also reimagine what it means to be a citizen of a global world? Right. Because I think that's one of the other pieces that we've lost along the way. We've gotten so mired in testing and memorization and a whole bunch of other things, you know, Teresa, that, you know, as we think about what comes next, how do we ensure that what we, we folks walk away with is being such a well-rounded individual that, that they're great citizens of the world? What does that look like from a progressive lens? One of the things, you know, I'm, I'm, I wish we had so much more time because like every time, you know, somebody speaks, I have five different thoughts about it. But here, here's something that kind of tags off of what, what Chris was just talking about, which is this question of what happened, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, 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 and I think one of the things that we have to do moving forward is to, is to revise the questions that we're asking mm-hmm. of, of ourselves as teachers and adults, and then revising the questions that we're posing to our students. And here's why. Um, every single person who is still alive and with us right now um, has seen someone else who needs help in figuring all of this out. So there, there, there are experts who exist in our society right now who have helped us through this. They've, they've created the vaccines. They've created practices and protocols. They've created solutions, right, to help us get through some of these moments. But, but there are other things that, that, um, that, have taken, that have taken a little bit longer and that have taken a little bit more effort and that have taken a little bit, you know, a different, different sets of pathways, right, to figure out what we are going to do and how we are going to be in schools. And so I think, you know, for me, the question, the questions that have to be part of whatever it looks like moving forward is what happened? What's changed since the last time mm-hmm. something like this happened? What's seen the same that needs changing? Mm-hmm. And, and, and through a progressive lens, and in particular through the lens of equity and justice, when we think about you know the diversity, and I'm talking racial, I'm talking identity, I'm talking any level of 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 identity that you want to think about, you know who are we talking about in each of these places and spaces? Like what you know, what does it mean, for example, um, you know, for students who are just now learning, like oh well, there are some communities, there are some people who don't want to get the vaccine. There's a history behind that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so this is an example of what I mean, like what has stayed exactly the same since the last time we went through something like this, whether it was HIV/AIDS or the Spanish influenza outbreak or what have you, right? There are reasons why people are scared and remain scared, and so that's something that has to change. And so I think revising the questions that we ask as we 
think about moving forward and being sure that we are eminently more inclusive Mm -hmm. than we have been. You know, I liked what you said about the learners that you want to have come into the past foundation, irrespective of their background. Mm -hmm. We have to be really intentional about that and make sure that we are deliberate Mm-hmm. about tapping into those communities, not just the people who are going to walk in the door because they know that there's a place there, um, but making sure that we provide windows and mirrors and sliding glass doors so that literally every child, every learner knows that this education is for everyone. Right, It's for everyone mm-hmm. and we need you. Um, that has to be a bigger message as we move forward. Yeah, no, no question about that at all. Kaven, same question to you. You know, what what do you see um, as the opportunity, you know, from a progressive education standpoint as it relates to thinking about the sort of next generation of global citizen? Because the, you know, back to what Teresa was talking about, the world has changed in so many ways. And for, you know, all the right reasons, it it you know, and certainly when you, you think about and talk with our youngest learners, many, many, not all, but many of them really understand that they, they live in a global setting. They don't just live in their own communities or even in their own states or their own countries, but because of their access, um, you know, and the broad influences that are coming from a variety of different places, we're talking about a very I, different I think, endeavor. Um... I mean, to have these opportunities, to have these conversations in class, uh, it's important for any teacher or any facilitator to make sure that, uh, you know, there's equity for voices to be heard and everyone is included. And how do you do that? Uh, Well, you have to really just start off simply by providing a safe space. You need to create an environment. And and I keep, maybe I'm the the, one on the panel that just keeps talking about social emotional learning. (laughs) But for us to have these conversations, everyone needs to feel included. <laughs> everyone needs to feel that they're part of the conversation. And so it's important mm-hmm. that schools, mm-hmm. in particular progressive schools, does a, you know, this is a, one of the pillars of progressive schools, is making sure that there's a safe space for people to have this conversation. And it's unfortunate that, you know, I have a folder for uh, how to address mass shootings or resources for mass shootings. I have a, unfortunately, a folder to talk mm-hmm. about racial injustice and how we can provide resources for my teachers and parents to how to speak to their kids. I mean, I've only been a principal for five, six years and I have a folder. It, it's sad. It scares me, you know, where our society is heading. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, our ki- we have to have these conversations with our kids. We have to like, you know, help, help them process and find clarity. Help them first, one, feel safe, but also you know, provide them the opportunity to be parts of those solutions. So, you know, if we're talking about whether it's climate change, where we're talking about social justice, where they were, we're, we're talking about um, uh, even just vac- vaccines, we need to make sure that our students have the ability to understand or listen to multiple perspectives, have the ability to ask like the right questions without bias. And if they do have about everyone has bias, and if they do have some bias to 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 provide them the skills to seek clarity and to learn more about the other perspectives, and that's the only way your kids in the in, the, in your in the past lab in the innovation lab are actually going to help solve problems because they have to really understand each other and how to communicate with each other, and 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 uh, in order for us to, as a, to move forward. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Chris, same, same question to you. Um, you know, kids can lead us in a new direction. What does that look like? I think for some reason, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time talking to people who work uh, at school or in schools and feels as though sometimes we've lost sight of the fact that this wasn't just the year of the global pandemic. Um, it was also a year of an unprecedented uh, uh, confrontation and merely partial mm -hmm. reconciliation with the history of race in the United States. Um, it was uh, a moment of crisis for democracy, uh, you know, uh, 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 layer upon layer of um, shared and individual loss and change. Uh, any one of which could have been a monumental rite of passage in one's life and, 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 and was. Mm -hmm. And so like for me, listening to Teresa and to Kaven, I think what students are pretty clear on, for example, is that next year we need to stop talking about cultural competency and identity development and race and racialization and racism. Uh, and start dismantling it and reframing it, like like for real though, in 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 work at school, and uh, and 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 next year as adults, like you know, there there there's nothing schools like more than the areas that we're not supposed to touch because that's the family's business, right? And there's lots of things on the table that a progressive model of pedagogy requires to be on the table that are at odds with that old idea. It's easy on the old idea of what mm -hmm. schooling is, which is the transmission of pre-prepared content from one mind to another, to say like, we don't actually have time to talk about these other things because we, we have all this stuff you have to download. Um, it's, it's actually impossible, not just implausible, but impossible to use a purposely progressive model and not welcome these questions and, and, and this dialogue. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, in, in a nutshell, and I, I know, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of weeds to get lost in conversation, but coming to terms with which parts of these ideas we seem together to abhor about traditional education are rooted explicitly in whiteness and white supremacy. Mm -hmm. uh, it is the systemic work of schools right now, in my opinion. Virtually mm -hmm. everything we've spoken to as a challenge to children actually learning and thriving, it is a function of that framework, uh, I would argue, and I think, mm -hmm. I think many of us would argue. Uh, and I think, I, think, I think that's what's next for truly transformative rather than transactional changes to take place in the system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, very well said. Um, and certainly, um, we, we, we appreciate that. And I know that our listeners recognize there's so much work yet to be done. And yet, here we are at a great opportunity in which to do that work. It's been fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I want to thank all of you for taking time out of your day to share in this conversation with us. And I look forward to having more of this conversation. I think we just sort of touched um, the tip of the iceberg of what's possible um, in, in this conversation. And I do hope we get the chance to, uh, to have, have, have more of it. So I wanna thank you all for joining me today. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. 
I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.